Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our last week in our series that we've been, uh, I've entitled Intentional, and we've been focusing on how do we become more intentional in living a godly life, in following after Christ, not letting just, it just happen by chance, but being purposeful in all that we do. And I end this series with a question. I could have began this series with this sermon, but I felt like it was, I was going to end it with this sermon. And I end with this, with this question. How well do you know God? How well do you know God? The reason I ask that question is not to cause confusion, but really I want to challenge us today. How well... Do we know Jesus? In the Gospel of John, Jesus was informing his disciples of his soon departure from this earth. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to die for your sins and my sins. And and he was concerned for his friends, his disciples, those those 12 that had followed him over those three and a half years. And, And he was sharing with them some truth as he knew that he was going to depart from the scene. And in chapter 17, Jesus shares a beautiful prayer. And I want to inform you today, it's not just a prayer for his 12 disciples, it's a prayer for all of us. Jesus states in verse 20 of John chapter 17, he says, I am, I am praying not only for these disciples, catch this, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you. That just gives me the chills to think about that. Even greater, it says as a believer of Christ, Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf with the Father. He prays for you. He prays for you. Now listen to verse 3 of Jesus' prayer. Chapter 17 of John. This is our main text for the day. One verse. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. Say no. No. That they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This was Jesus' prayer for you and me. That we know God. That we would know Jesus. In our grow class I share the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. There's a difference. Many people have heard the name of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that they know Jesus. They just heard the name. In fact, they might use the name of Jesus in a wrong way. It's not good. So they might know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. I know the name Tiger Woods. I watch him play on TV. But I don't know Tiger Woods. Does that make make sense? I've heard the name Travis Kelsey. I watch him play football on TV. But that doesn't mean that I know Travis Kelsey. By the way, isn't it crazy? He has this new girlfriend. He's making her kind of famous. I don't know if you know that now. It's amazing. Can't remember her name, but really cool. That's right. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And Jesus is inviting us to know him. And his father, the creator of all things, the God of all eternity. The Greek word gnosko 
is to mean to know. And it goes beyond just kind of a, a simple knowledge. It goes to an experience. It goes to a relationship. It goes to a friendship, a knowing of someone. That's what it's talking about. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. These are kind of concerning words. These words, especially when I was younger, man, they just kind of shook me at times. I want you to listen to these words. I, do, I want them to shake you in a good way, not in a negative way. Jesus' word says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Scary verse. And it demonstrates why it is important that we know Jesus and we, that Jesus knows us. And this only happens one way, and that is through relationship. How do we follow Jesus and obey his commandments if we don't have a close enough relationship to understand what our Heavenly Father desires and what, our, what Jesus desires for our life? I'm not saying we earn our salvation through works. It's 100% through grace. But I want you to catch this. Grace happens through our faith in Jesus, right? Right? And faith comes, according to word, the word of God, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. It's knowing Jesus through relationship. It's important that we are intentional in knowing Jesus. Back to our scripture today. I want, I'm going to repeat this two or three times today. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That we know God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it, the word of God says. That's eternal life. Many times we view eternity as something that we are going to experience in the future. But I want to challenge our thinking today. Eternity happens the moment you put your faith in Jesus. It happens at that very moment. We don't wait until we die to experience eternity because guess what? The apostle Paul says nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, not even death. There's nothing that can separate us once we have, been fallen, once we have chosen to believe in Jesus. Nothing can separate us from God. Eternity begins now. John the Baptist states these words. He says, and anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Jesus, in his own words, in John chapter 5, says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. In each of these verses, the same verb is used in the Greek, and it's in present tense. It's not past tense. It's not future tense. It's present tense. You have eternal life today. Our faith in knowing Jesus is eternal life. For the rest of our time today, I want to reveal from Scripture practical ways that we can know God. And the first truth that we must understand is that God wants to be known. 
He wants to be known, not in an infamous way or a way of self-gratification, but in a way that where we can recognize the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to understand, I'm not an evil God. I'm a good God. Devil is evil. Let's just go back to the basics today. The devil is bad. Say it. The devil is bad. God is good. Super simple. He wants us to understand his goodness. Listen to what Paul writes in Timothy, or writes to Timothy. He says, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge, we got to know God, to the knowledge of the truth. Some people have a belief that God is hiding from them. And this belief is a false assumption God desires relationship with you. God desires that you know him. Many people don't know that they can know God. Many people don't believe that they are good enough to know God. And that's a true assumption, actually. You're not good enough, but Jesus is. And Jesus is our mediator between God and man. That's why it's so important that we know Jesus, who God sent on our behalf to become our righteousness. Our Heavenly Father so desperately wants you to know Him that He sent His Son Jesus to die for your sins and my sins on the cross so that we can be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. Don't be scared to know God because God wants relationship with you because He loves you. He created you. You're His creation. He desires a relationship with you. So the first way we know God is to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. We will never know Jesus if we don't believe in Jesus. I know it's a super simple statement. But how do you know someone if you don't believe in them? We must put our faith in Jesus, not just when everything is going great, or maybe some of you put your faith in Jesus when all of a sudden everything starts to go bad. You go, oh, I'm going to come back and connect to Jesus. No, no, it can't be that way. We don't just believe in Jesus when we feel like it. Is choosing to put your trust and your faith in Jesus above all else. We talked about that last week. How we put our trust in Jesus. And when we put our trust in Jesus, I shared about how it starts to turn the volume of Jesus' voice up in our life when we trust him more and more. All of a sudden, everything else starts to get drowned out and we start hearing Jesus more clearly. Listen to what Jesus states in John 16. He says, the world's sin, this is a powerful verse. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Think about that thought. The world's sin is that they refuse to believe in me. you got to understand something. It's really important. All the other sins in life are covered by the blood of Jesus. When you come to Christ, he will cover your sins. The one sin he can't cover is your unbelief. That's a sin that, that's why it, the one sin in the Bible talks about is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's because it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to God. And if we choose not to accept the Holy Spirit, if we choose unbelief in that direction, what can God do? See, the only way that we come to Christ is through faith in Jesus. It's the only way we come our, to our faith in God. It's choosing to put your trust in Jesus above all else. Many people believe Jesus existed, that Jesus was a man who actually did walk on this earth at one time. But for many, the thought they, that, 
they, and I want you to catch this, for many in today's culture in our world today, for many the thought that they are guilty of moral wrongdoing and need a savior to provide forgiveness for their sins, for them it's foolishness. Are you, what are you talking about? I don't need a savior. This is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, catch this word, know it is the very power of God. When you come to Christ and when you have the realization that Christ died for your sins and he sets you free from the bondage of sin and all of a sudden you get this relief of all these other things in your life and you know that Jesus has rescued you. There is something powerful. The cross is no longer foolishness. It is the power of God in your life. Many people will never know God because they choose not to believe. They consider it foolish to believe in God. But the Bible is the exact, the Bible says the exact opposite of that. It says only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. The idea behind this verse is not to say people are stupid, but it's really to say that people are sinful. Many people reject the idea of God because they don't want to submit to God's authority. They reject the idea of God because they don't want to submit to God's authority. I want to submit to my authority. I want to submit to my morality. I want to do my thing. And this idea that I need a Savior, I'm not going to subject myself to his rules, his authority, it's foolishness to them. But the Bible says only fools say in their heart there is no God. This is why the Bible declares it's foolish to deny God because it eases one's own conscience. See, many people are denying God just because it's easier. They don't have to live by the set of rules that God has placed. And yet the set of rules that God has placed really sets us free. Romans 1.25 states these words. The Apostle Paul writes, They trade the truth about God for a lie. Man, I see this in our society today. They trade the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. If you want to know God, the first step is to believe in Jesus. The next practical way that we know God, and this is basic one-on-one, but it's so good for us to be reminded, is to obey his word. Go beyond reading his word. Obey it. (laughs) God has given us his story in the very words of the Bible, and yet so many people choose to ignore God's word. Most of us have multiple Bibles in our house. I don't know how many Bibles we have. I've never counted them, but man, we must have probably 20, 25 Bibles in our house. I had my Bible when I was a little kid still in my bookshelf. Annette, I think, has hers Bible. I mean, she, she has a Bible, I think, that talks about her salvation. I have a Bible, the uh, NIV Bible, that literally has um, the calling of God on my life when I was 13, 14 years old at family camp at Orcas Island. And, and the evangelist, Linfield Crowder, wrote in, those, in, in my Bible the calling of God on my life. I still have that in my possession. We have, many of us have a lot of Bibles, but when do we open up those Bibles to read the Word of God? Is it just sitting on the shelf? In Hebrews 4, it states, the word of God is living and active. It's a living document that touches the very inner being of your soul and your spirit. Some are surprised when I preach. I always get a kick out of it. 
uh, when I preach on a Sunday and all of a sudden I meet people outside and all of a sudden they say, how do you know? I say, how do I know what? How do you know what I'm going through? I don't know what you're going through. But your word, the, the word that you preached today, it penetrated, it hit me so hard. It's not my words. My words will have no effect. It's God's word. It's God's word. When I read God's word, it starts to penetrate our heart in such a way. It's like, how does he know? God knows. Tom doesn't know. I'm just a frail pastor that someday, I know I'm not frail, but how about trying to use an analogy here. Well, you help me, guys. I'm a human being that has a lot of frailties. A lot of weaknesses. Like Paul says, a lot of weaknesses. But God knows. When I share God's word, it's God's word that penetrates our hearts and starts to change us, starts to challenge us. Imagine what would happen if we were intentional about reading and obeying God's word on a daily basis. It would change us. Yeah, woo! Changes you. 100%. I was so, Latasha. Latasha, I, I don't know. I'm just having a praise break for a moment. Latasha, just stand up, will you please? Just stand up for a minute. Will you just walk over here? Just walk over there. Walk. Come on. Now, some, some of you who are new and guests, you don't understand this, but Latasha, for the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, has been being wheeled in in a wheelchair up here on a weekly basis to come to church. And all of a sudden, I saw her today walking down all the way, that long, she's walking the entire way. And I'm going, praise God. Praise God. Latasha has a brand new kidney working for her, and it's functioning well, and God is good. Two years ago, God is faithful. Imagine what would happen if we'd been intentional in reading and obeying God's word. It would change us. In fact, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. How many want to be set free from the past burdens, from the hurts, from the unforgiveness, from the ugliness of life? You can be set free when you know God. If you struggle studying God's word, man, I encourage you, get plugged into a Bible study. We have Bible study, 6.30 a.m. every Thursday morning. Come to Thursday morning's Bible study. If you struggle on doing it yourself, man, be a part of a group of men that be a part of Bible study. I should say it's a men's Bible study, okay? But we have women's Bible studies as well. Laura does a Bible study, and that does a Bible study. You can go online and find those times. Get plugged in and start learning God's word. God's word is life-giving. David writes these words. He says, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Jeremiah the prophet says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. Job states in Job 23, 12, I have treasured his words more daily than food. I love to eat. How many love to eat? Let me just tell you right now, I eat a lot too. 
I do. What would happen if we started to devour God's word the same way that we eat? What would happen if we started to devour God's word the same way you devour the In-N-Out hamburger? It's gone. I can do a shake, a chocolate shake at In-N-Out and about one slurp, it's gone. If we started devouring God's word the same way that we eat, man, we would have a mighty, mighty, mighty church filled with warriors serving God. It's one of the reasons why we're called to fast, to set aside food and to spend time in God's word and in prayer. There's something powerful that happens when we fast. We're going to do another fast starting in January. Get ready. Get ready. The last way we know God is to live by his Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this earth to return to heaven, our Heavenly Father sent the power of his Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. He did not want to leave us alone. He wanted his presence with us. Jesus tells us in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the, all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whoever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. If you don't know this, the Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine He will take what is mine and declare it to you. We have been given the spirit of God's truth who will declare truth into our lives. One of the ways we know Christ is through his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who will awaken us to his righteousness. I want you to catch this thought because it hit me so strongly in my life. The Holy Spirit says in the Bible that he will convict sinners of sin. But when you step into Christ and you start following after Christ, really, he no longer convicts you of sin. What he does, he exposes you to righteousness. I want you to catch a hold of that because there's a thing called sanctification. And what happens is that our flesh wants to live in this sin. But when we choose to surrender our life to Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into our life. And all of a sudden, the qualities of his spirit start to flush out those fleshly qualities that we used to have. They're not qualities, detriments in our life. And all of a sudden, the goodness of God, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his faithfulness, all of a sudden, the fruit of the spirit starts to become our fruit in our life because it's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he starts all of a sudden flushing out those things that our flesh desires used to love to do. He says, ah, no, we're going to start walking in this way. And all of a sudden, God's desires become our desires. It's called sanctification. Paul writes in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit will even help us in our weakness. Specifically, Paul mentions times where we don't know how to pray. states that the Holy Spirit will even pray through you. The Holy Spirit is God's dwelling place in the believer's life. Paul reminds us of this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? See, we're God's temple. When we open ourselves up to Christ, we say, man, more of you, Holy Spirit. What we're really doing is taking on the attributes of God in our life because the spirit of God is speaking to us. 
So it's times you try to make a decision what to do, and all of a sudden you could do this, take advantage of someone over here. I could make more money this direction. And all of a sudden this voice in your heart and in your mind starts to say, but this would be better. And what it is, it's the Holy Spirit speaking into you what is godly. And it's starting to change us from ungodliness to godliness. We begin to have a greater understanding of the character of God because his nature is living inside of us. It's God's spirit who reveals truth into our lives. It's God's spirit that makes his word come alive. It's God's spirit that when we pray, all of a sudden something takes over. It's the power of his Holy Spirit in you. I want to close with this thought. As I've shared today, it's, it's important that we are intentional in knowing God. Because it's only through our relationship with Jesus that our salvation is secured. Jesus is the door to eternal life. I know that many of us have friends and family, co-workers, that we want them to know Jesus as well. Do you have someone in your life that you want them to know Jesus? We want everybody to have the opportunity to know Jesus. Remember our scripture, that our text today, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How do we help others know Jesus? Specifically our family and friends. It's important that others see we have a relationship with God. It can't just be a relationship that we experience on a Sunday. It needs to be a relationship that they see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It needs to be in our life. When we introduce our children to a relationship with Jesus, it can't be just about a distant friend that they've never heard about. It needs to be someone who they've heard us talk about many times. Let me illustrate. God, I feel like the Lord just gave me an illustration, which is really cool. Brett, my son, if you don't know, this is my son, Brett, our worship leader, youth pastor, Appreciate you, bud. Him and Danielle have a little one. If you haven't seen him, he runs around this church. He acts like he owns the place. He's two years old. He acts like he owns everybody else, too. So. But I remember when he was little. Little. He is little. But when he was younger. And my oldest son and my daughter live up in Seattle area. And um, so they don't get to see Vincent very often. And that concerned Danielle, Brett's wife. It concerned her that, man, they're not going to really know, know Evan and, and, and Brittany and, and their spouses, uh, Luke and Ashley. They're not going to know them because they're not around. And so she very, in an intentional way, she would sit down with Vincent, you know, two or three times a week. She'd sit down and she'd start just thumbing through the pictures, family pictures. And she goes, she'd point to a picture and say, that's Evan, that's Ashley. That's Brittany, that's Luke. And all of a sudden, guess what? Vincent started to learn the names of, of Brett's siblings. Hey, Evan, he would say Evan. Brittany, Brittany. She, you know, he'd say Brittany. He started to know their names. So what happens is that when they came home for Christmas time, 
guess what? Vincent knew them because she had spent time. Hey, this is your, this is your dad's brother. This is your dad's sister. She spent time sharing with him. This is who they are. Now, it doesn't mean that he likes Evan still. He, we're still working on that for whatever reason. But we're working on it. But he knows them. Why does he know them? Because Danielle was intentional to make sure that in her home, she would spend time with Vincent to share, hey, this is your uncle, this is your aunt. They live up in Seattle. See, if we want other people to know about Christ, guess what? It has to be in our life in such a way that on a daily basis that we're talking about Jesus. I know that we live in a culture today that wants to remove Jesus' name out of the schools, out of, the, out of all the entities, out of your workplace. But, man, I want to challenge us. I need, we think we need to push back some, man. We need to push back. You don't have to charge in on it. But when someone asks you the question, why are you happy today? Because it's Jesus. You have every right to be able to say, because of Jesus. You're just telling the truth. We need to push back the culture of the day and start making Jesus shine again in our lives. we got to take Jesus out of the closet. You can't all of a sudden have people over to your home and then all of a sudden put your best friend in the closet. Oh, we don't want you anybody to see him. Take him out of the closet. Let Jesus be seen. If you want your friends, if you want your family to know Jesus, then let them know what you know. Share your heart. Share your truth. Watch what will happen. People will be drawn to the light. What, it's so simple. What did, Jesus, what did Jesus tell us to do? You don't light a candle and hide it under a bushel. You don't put a cover over the candle. You put the candle on something high so that everybody can see. We're not to hide Jesus in our life. We're to expose Jesus in our life. I am nothing without Christ. If we want other people to know the saving grace of God, then don't be afraid of knowing Jesus for yourself and sharing that truth with others. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word does not return void. I praise you for your goodness and your grace and your love. I thank you, God, that you have given us the ability to know you. You have given us the ability, Lord God, to have relationship with you. You did not leave us high and dry, but Lord, you left us your story in the Bible. You gave us your word. And Lord, you also gave us your spirit, the Holy Spirit, to reside in us. You care for us and you love us. And we are so grateful that we can have relationship with you today. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.